right, we're gonna um, continue our series we started last week called Untold Christmas. Uh, if I ask the question, how many of you are ready for Christmas, you know, we tend to think about that in terms of, is your tree up yet? You know, how's your shopping going? Uh, do, you, do you have your ugly Christmas sweater yet? Um, you know, have, have you lit candles or put them in the window? Or uh, do you have your menu yet for Christmas Day? And that's not what I mean when I say, are you ready for Christmas? What I'm asking is, is your heart ready? Have you prepared your heart in some way for the Christmas season and to receive the message of Jesus' birth that is just as real every year as if it just happened? And so um, one of the dangers that we have in the Christmas season is missing the message because Christmas has become so um, commercialized. And uh, depending on your background and your history and all that, we all tend, maybe by personality, to either dread this time of season or take great delight in it. You know, some of you have been decorating and listening to, you know, yo-ho-ho, Merry Christmas since August, and, you know, you, you couldn't wait, right? How, how many of you like that? You couldn't wait. You just couldn't wait, right? I know. You're drinking hot chocolate in August. I understand. Could not wait. Looking for Christmas jammies. They're not even out yet. You know, they still got back-to-school stuff, and you're looking for Christmas jammies. Then there's the other ones of us or you that say, oh, man, you know, I, I, I need Melanta. I mean, this is a, this is a heartburn season because there's so much to do and there's so many people to see and so many presents to buy and, and all of that stuff. But what I'm just saying to you this morning is um, don't allow the sparkle of the season to cause you to miss the substance because there's a good message here, and that's what we want to help you to do in this series. So here's my invitation to you. Will you take a journey with us in this season to receive the message of Jesus' birth in this season? Will you lean in and allow Jesus' birth to touch you fresh again like it's the first time? So in this series, we're we're offering five um, Christmas truths about the birth of Jesus and the true message of Christmas and last week we uh, covered two of them, and I just want to rewind them if you, if you missed the message last week to catch you up, and then we'll give you two more today, and then next week will be the last one. So number one, Jesus came in the flesh. Why did Jesus come in the flesh? He walked a mile in our shoes. He took on our hearts and our heartaches, and he, he understood what it felt like to be human, and he took on the two greatest limitations of the human experience, and that is the power of death and the power of the devil. And the Bible says that he came in the flesh to break the power of death and the power of the devil. So what does that mean? That means that no longer do we have to think about death as just running into a brick wall and that's it. That's the end of it. No, death for a person who has Jesus living in their heart isn't like a brick wall, it's like a door. It's a transition into eternal life, into forever life. And then also he came to break the power of the devil. So the Bible tells us that the devil rules this world for now. And so he has a lot of influence over what happens in this world. But the Bible says that Jesus came to break the power of the devil over individuals' lives. So what that means is, is that we don't have to live under the harassment or the deceit 
or the lies or the control or the manipulation of the enemy because Jesus came to set us free from the reign and the influence and the power of the devil. Jesus came in the flesh. That's part of the Christmas story. Here's the second thing we shared last week. Jesus came at just the right time. Not too late, not too early. His timing in history was perfect. His timing in Jesus' life was perfect. And so the question I asked you last week is, do you trust God's timing in your life? Now that brings us to today. Uh, Point number three is, Jesus came to make the invisible God visible. Now it probably won't shock you at all to know that in the Bible, uh, we read that Jesus is invisible. 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Now, God's invisible because he's spirit. Now, that's hard for us to kind of get our brain around, but that's why he's invisible. In the Old Testament... The prophets, the Bible teaches us, and other people who walk closely with God got to see like a shadow of God, like a glimpse of God, like a little murky image of God, a preview of God, a shadow, but they didn't get to see the full picture until Jesus came. How many of you ever, you you have any uh, old black and white pictures at home? You you, you know what I'm talking about? uh, A few months ago when my wife passed away, I started digging through all, all the old things, and I found these old, I'm talking about old pictures. You know, you know I'm, I'm talking about they're so thick, they, you can't press them into an album like the cellophane won't lay over them, they just rises like a bump. You know what I mean? They're like, on, like this is way before cardstock. If you threw it at someone, you could hurt them. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I don't even know how these are pictures. I think they were chiseled in stone somewhere. And I look at them and I go, I don't even know who those people are. Who are those people? It's in black and white. It's old. They all dress like Mormons. You know, they all have these, every one of them looks the same. And it's like nobody understood the concept of Zoom back then, you know, because here's what Zoom was. Uh, you, you didn't have any feature on your camera to zoom in. And nobody knew how to take a good picture because you take a picture about a month later, you'd go pick it up. You go, well, that wasn't a good picture. But you couldn't remember the next time you took a picture how to take a good one. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm talking about black and white pictures. And then you look, and the pictures are so far away, you look at with a magnifying glass, you're trying to understand, who is that? And and they're murky, and they're shadowy, and you can't really get a picture of who they are. And look, this is kind of what it was like, the picture of Jesus we got, the picture of God we got in the Old Testament. But man, when Jesus came, it's like a, a, one of my sons is a techie, and um, last week he, he bought, uh, he got this uh, Black Friday sale, Cyber Monday, whatever. He got this uh, sound system to go with his computer, and you go in there, and he's got like these, you know, 4K, 8K digital surround sound, Dolby. You know, you walk in, and you feel like you're in a tornado. I mean, you're, you're rrr, stuff's flying at you. It's full color LED liquid, bam, 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 4K, 8K, your mama K. You know, it's all flying everywhere. <laughs> I mean, stuff's everywhere. Like, it's in living color. You're in that room. You, you, you entered like the holodeck on Star Trek. I mean, you're in a whole, you're in it. You're, you're actually living it. That's what it's like when Jesus came. 
The Old Testament picture of God was mysterious and hidden and kind of unknown. But when Jesus came, man, he came in full color. Like, he came with the whole thing. He came to show. You remember show and tell when you were at school? Remember that little time, show and tell? Jesus came to show and tell. He came to show what the Father was like, and he came to tell what the Father was like. And that's what we get when Jesus came to make the invisible God visible so we could see him and understand him. John 1.18 says it like this. No one has ever seen God. Watch this. But the unique one. Isn't that a great phrase? Who's the unique one? It's capitalized. Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. The word reveal means what I just said, to show and to tell. To show and to tell. And he's uniquely qualified to do that because he lived in eternity. Do you see this verse says, but, but is near to the Father's heart? That word is there in English. It does not say heart in Greek. If you go back, the New Testament's originally written in Greek. It's not written in English. So every Bible that you have has been translated from another language. And sometimes you have to go back to that other language to get a fuller understanding of what it's saying. The word heart is not there in the original language. What the word actually is, is chest. And so have you ever um, gone a long time without seeing uh, relatives that you really love a lot? And then, and then you see them? And what do you do when you see them? You don't, you don't, you don't shake their hand. You don't give them the little Christian side hug. You know what do you do? You say, come here. Right? Bring it in. And you bring them in and you absorb them in and draw them to your chest because that is the most intimate place. You see, you see a, a mother or a father that will lay a little child on their chest and they can literally put their ear up to their chest and hear their heartbeat. And that's what this says. This says that Jesus lived near the Father's chest. He lived in the most intimate place that the Father has, and Jesus lived there for eternity. No one knows the Father like Jesus because for all eternity, he lived in that place, and he's uniquely qualified to come to earth then and make the invisible God visible and show us what the Father's like because he lived in the closest spot you can live with someone. That's where he lived. Are you connected to the Father's heart? Yes. Let, let, me, let me ask it like this. Do you feel um, God's compassion for you? So if you don't, if you're struggling with that, I want to give you a, um, a verse today that is my prayer for you. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. What is that prayer? It's saying, may, may the Lord direct you who feels distant, separated, removed, numb, cold. Maybe you messed up. Maybe you did something wrong. May, may, maybe you've just kind of neglected or ignored God. And you just feel, and so the prayers may the Lord direct your heart into God's love. May He direct your heart straight into God's chest. 
straight into the heart of the Father's love. And why does it say perseverance and Christ's perseverance? Because Jesus persevered through the worst things humanity could do to him so that he could show you and prove to you the Father's love in a tangible way. He didn't just come and take an injection and fall asleep in the night. He was tortured to death. And he did it to show you the Father's love because he came to make the invisible God visible. Then number four, Jesus came to bring good news, not good advice. I like this one. You know, don't you just love the Christmas story? Because Jesus is born as a baby And so God needs to run a PR campaign, right? He needs to get the word out, right? And you would think, you know, there's no internet, there's no mass communication. How's God going to get the word out? Well, I mean, we would be tempted to believe that he would need to, you know, send an angel to the Roman emperor or to a king or um, to like Socrates or er, like like a famous thinker in their day, someone that everybody already listened, somebody that had an audience. You know, if you go to a a publisher and try to get a book written, you know what they want to know? They want to know one thing. How many followers do you have? And they don't even care if the book's good. If you've got enough followers, they'll publish it. Why? Because they can sell it. And so you would think God would be looking for somebody who had a lot of followers, because we need to get this message out. You would think he would choose somebody that was like at least a religious leader, right? Something like that. But here's the crazy thing. God chose shepherds. Now, now let, let, let's, let's zero in on this for a minute. Shepherds are people that watched stupid animals. <laughs> Dirty, stupid animals. Sheep are not smart. I don't know if you know this. It is not a compliment when the Bible says we are like sheep. You understand that? It is not a compliment. These people's occupation was to watch stupid animals, animals too dumb to stay out of harm's way. That was their job. And so when God decided to run this PR campaign and get the message out about how he was sending Jesus to earth, he chose, he chose shepherds, people who watch sheep. And here's the craziest part. They weren't even like the top shepherds. You didn't know this. There was like a first string and a second string and a third string. He chose the backups. We're talking like Florida State's quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about... What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. All right, all right, all right, all right. Bring it back in. I'm saying he chose the backups. You go, how do you know that? Here's how I know that. Because he chose the shepherds that were on the night watch. If you were on seniority, you were on the day watch. You watched the dumb sheep in the day. There's, the only thing worse than watching dumb sheep is watching dumb sheep at night. And these guys were out in the field watching the sheep at night. And here's what Luke 2.10 says. Listen, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now let me tell you one of the greatest phrases that we often overlook in that verse. And it says this, I bring good news to you that will cause great joy for how many of the people? All the people. Even people like night shift shepherds. Even, you know, people tend to get overlooked. If they're not shiny or talented or smart or successful or rich or have a lot of personality, people tend to get overlooked if they don't have the right occupation. But this says that these shepherds, all the people, what better way can God prove that he sent good news to all the people than send it through the second string shepherds? That's proof. Not the emperor, not the Pharisees, not the religious leaders, not the, not the philosophers, <laughs> through, through shepherds. And then when the angels appear to give this good news to all people, here's the thing, it's not good advice. Let me tell you the difference in advice and news. Advice is about what needs to be done. Let's get this thing done. News is about what's already been done. All right? Advice urges us to make things happen. Come on, you got to get going. You got to pick yourself up and get going. But news urges us to accept that something has already happened that will affect us forever. The gospel is not good advice. It's good news. And that's the difference between Christianity and every other religion on earth because here's what every religion on earth says. Every other religion on earth is an experiment in self-improvement. Work, do, do, do this three times a day. Follow your routine, improve yourself, treat other people right. It's all about focusing on yourself and putting a lot of effort into making yourself the best version of yourself that you can be. And, and religion oftentimes sounds something like this. Religion is giving advice. Well, I mean, if I were you, I would not do this, or I would do this because God's not very happy with you. If you do this, God's not going to be very happy with you. If you do this, God will be really happy with you, and you might earn your way out. That's what religion sounds like. But look at verse 210 again. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. True Christianity says a Savior's been born, and that provides great joy for all the people. Because Jesus has come to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Nobody can be their own savior. Nobody can work hard enough, long enough, improve themselves enough, or be good enough to be their own savior. So the good news is God did it for you. So let me put this in the simplest terms. The Son of God became a man so that mankind could become sons and daughters of God. That's what happened. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who receive him, 
To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Receive and believe is the same thing. It doesn't mean that I just agree with this. I have an intellectual understanding and comprehension and agree that Jesus is probably God's son or he is God's son. No, no, no. I don't just have an intellectual knowledge or understanding or agreement. I have come to trust him for my faith, my life, my soul, my eternity, and my salvation. I have put my belief in him and my trust in him for my life and eternity. And the Bible says, then God gives us the right to become the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. God's good news is this. He came to restore your identity He came to reconcile relationship with him, and he came to renew your purpose. And by the way, that doesn't stop the day you get saved. It starts the day you get saved, and it goes all the way till you get to heaven. And it never stops. That's good news. It's not good advice. Do you think that um, our community needs that good news? Shelby County is the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama, 67 counties in our state, and we're number one for the smallest percentage of people that will gather for a worship service on any given Sunday. Now, here's the question. Are you okay with the way Shelby County is? Are you okay that younger generations are walking away from Jesus in historic numbers? Are you okay that there's thousands of people living in our community who have no one praying for them, no one inviting them, no one sharing with them, no one reaching out to them, no one caring about their eternal salvation or their eternal destination? How do we get the good news to our community? Let's go back to how God did it. It's a pretty good model. He made the invisible God visible, right? He made the invisible God visible. How did he do it? He sent Jesus in the flesh, a real, live human who felt our pain, knew our struggles, walked in our shoes, but Jesus is gone. How does he do it now? He still sends real, live humans. That's how he does it. Who is that? It's me and it's you. He's still sending real, live human sons and daughters of God who make the invisible God visible. So every time you reach out, every time you share, every time you offer an act of kindness, every time you invite someone in Jesus' name, every time you share your story in Jesus' name, you make the invisible God visible. You put some flesh on him. You you actually make it practical. He walked in the room. I was so struck uh, a few weeks ago, uh, one of our pastors, Pastor Clark, his mother went to heaven after a long and fruitful life. And uh, I was so impacted by a story that he shared about his mom uh, during her funeral. He said that she worked at a local store and uh, she was always praying with people and reaching out to people and doing what she could to share the good news. And there's this one lady she worked with and uh, she ministered to her for a little while and invited her to church. And uh, one day that lady came to church 
and she gave her life to Christ. And then her husband came, and then her kids came. And at the funeral, she revealed to, to Clark and his family and others that knew the story, she was reached by Clark's mom, and her family had been in that church for 28 years. They came to know Jesus, came to know forgiveness, came to know the love of a spiritual family, and they walked with Jesus for 28 years because somebody made the invisible God visible. Somebody took a step and reached out. How do we get the good news to our community? We have a lot of good churches in Shelby County. But I don't want us to be a good church. I want us to be a movement of hope. That's a different thing. A movement of hope doesn't wait for you to come to us. We come to you. We don't just go. We have service at 1030. You know, show up. If you want to hear about Jesus, show up. We've been sent as ambassadors of hope into a community that has by and large forgotten God. And so how do you become a movement of hope? Here's how you become a movement. Here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is on December 17th at our Christmas outreach, invite someone and do everything you can do to have someone who doesn't have a church family, who doesn't have a church home, sitting next to you. And while they're sitting next to you, I want you to see our church through their eyes. And I want you to hear the gospel through their ears. And I want you to feel the awkwardness that they feel coming into a strange place, coming into a strange group of people wondering, how am I going to be treated here? If you want to know what kind of church we need to become to be a movement of hope, that's an example. We've got to begin to, to, to put Jesus' skin on and say, I'll make the invisible God visible. I'll be the one that takes that step. So Jesus came in the flesh at just the right time to make the invisible God visible and to bring good news, not good advice. How do you and I bring this truth, these truths, this message of Jesus in this crazy Christmas season, how do we, how do we bring it into our life? I said this to you last week and I just want to reiterate, Jesus' mother, Mary, gives us such a beautiful example. The Bible says that she treasured these things up in her heart and she pondered them. What things? All the things about when the angel first came and said, you're gonna have you know, the Messiah. You're gonna be the Messiah's mother. What an announcement. And then it all came true. And after it all came true and Jesus was born, the Bible says she treasured these things up in her heart and she pondered them. So I wrote a few questions that I want to encourage you to write down. Um, and you can take these with you throughout the Christmas season. And as you have moments to pause, spots where you might have a quiet time, you might read the Christmas story, you, you might have a prayer time, and you just want to pull this list out and say, okay, how do I prepare my heart for Jesus' birth? How do I receive the message of Jesus' birth? Here, here's how you can do it. Here's the first question, and I just put it in first person. Do I believe Jesus is real? 
What I'm saying is, is um, not do you intellectually agree that Jesus is, is God. Do you believe Jesus is real and he came as a savior to change your life and do something for you that you couldn't do for yourself? Here's the next question. Do I trust God's timing in my life? Do I trust God's timing in my life? Man, that's a hard one. But we said last week, Jesus' arrival on earth was perfect. The timing was perfect. And that gives us um, comfort to know that if God could get something that big, that perfectly right, then he can probably work perfectly in the timing of your life and bring things about in the right time. Do you trust? Do I trust God's timing in my life? Here's the next question. Am I connected to the Father's heart? You know how we talked about, the Bible said that Jesus lived at the Father's heart. He he lived at the Father's chest. Man, are are you connected? Is, Is Christianity to you or church or whatever you want to call it, is it just a rote habit that you walk through? Do you um, privately, deeply struggle with feelings of inadequacy, rejection, broken relationships in your life? Because you haven't yet um, fully and regularly accepted God's love for you? Like you have a Father in heaven that loves you and has accepted you in Jesus Christ without reservation you don't have to earn that you don't have to be good you don't, have to, you don't have to work for it you don't have to check the boxes this is, this is Jesus he died so that you would be connected to the father's heart have you received that love do you, do you feel that compassion and mercy on your life from God Are you still trying to prove something or earn something? Or outlive shame? Or repair rejection that was put into your life, maybe even in an early age? Here's the next question. Where am I receiving the world's advice instead of resting in God's good news? Man, the world is full of advice. Everybody's got their own YouTube channel and, you know, Everybody's got an opinion, and, there, and there's so many opinions and advice and things being shared here and there and everywhere. And if you're not careful, you just get overwhelmed in the amount of information and struggle to find your way through and find yourself actually living out of the advice of the world rather than resting in the good news of Jesus. Here's the last one. Am I offering good advice or good news to others? You know, sometimes we have so much to say and so much of it boils down to good advice. And it might even be good. But is it good news? 
when's the last time you said to someone, um, can I share with you the difference that God's made in my life? And, and then wait for them to say yes. And if they say yes, let's say in about two or three minutes, you're able to summarize, man, this is who I was. And, and this is how I met God. And, and this is how, I'm not perfect. I'm way away from perfect, but my life is so much better. Like God made a difference in my life. When, when we were uh, at my wife's funeral, a guy that graduated from high school with her came on behalf of their class and gave us a picture and you know that she was in, graduating and all that. And, and he said to me, he said, man, he said, when, when your wife was in high school, she was a rock star. She had all this, you know, this blonde hair. And she goes, man, I don't know what happened to her. I never thought she'd be a pastor's wife. <laughs> you know, at her 10-year reunion, she was, she was voted most changed. Listen, I looked at him and I said, and she, he said, man, you must have done something. And I said, man, I didn't do it. I looked him right in the face and I said, man, Jesus did it. Jesus changed her life. I couldn't do it. I didn't have any way to. I don't have the power to. But Jesus did. Are you, are you offering people good advice or good news? Here's the last one. I lied. I said it was. Now this is really the last one. How am I making the invisible God visible? good question. Would you stand with me? If you're online, our prayer team has been praying for you this morning and they'd love to pray with you now. And for all of us, we're just going to lift our voice for a minute. Pause our hearts. Stop the hurry. Lift our eyes and our voice up to Jesus. Lord, today we recognize you as the author and the finisher of our faith. He who began a good work in you will complete it. We receive the good news of Jesus today that you came to change us and to reconcile us and to restore us to purpose in God's heart and kingdom. Your will is good and your heart is good. Lord, today we pause for a moment and we just lift our soul up to you we worship you together. Would you worship with our team?